Welcome, true believers and newcomers alike. up nerds and nerdettes welcome to the season finale of 30 and nerdy podcast Woo, yeah. Huzzah. Three finale i am your host the duke of nerds the sweet tea of the nerdy south tyler mac and joined of course by the pod father of 30 and nerdy podcast the juice is loose. He's the doctor of nerdonomics. He's freshly squeezed. He's out to make Earth nerd again. He is the architect of this episode, of the season finale of 30 and Nerdy Podcast. Dr. Davis, what is up, Doc? Season three finale. Can you believe it? I can't. It's crazy to think about. If you think about like three or four years ago, me texting you saying, I've got this weird, crazy, wild idea for us to do this thing. And that thing became 30 and nerdy. I and wish that you had the text safe. I bet there's no way of going back that far. Uh, but thinking about us sitting on the futon in my old recliner with a couple of milk crates, a computer, and two microphones. Actually, before that, no microphones, just speaking into the computer. Yeah, no microphones, yeah. Um, and now here we are, season three finale, and are already making plans for season four. Absolutely. Wild, wild times that we're living in here. Can't believe I it. I know. I was, I was, uh, I took a break for a, a good portion of the the time that the show's been going, but uh, I'm glad you kept it going, and I'm glad that we're. Uh, still rolling out the 30 and nerdy content all the time. So absolutely stoked to be here. I'm excited, man. I, I, I've been looking forward to this. Um, you know, as much as I love all of this, I got to say having a few weeks off will be nice, you know, to kind of quieten the brain. Cause we'll also, be in going into the off season at work so it'll be slower at work it won't be as hectic it won't be as long of nights um uh you know mom will have her surgery soon and we'll be on off season so it'll be it'll be a chance to 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 actually rest the creative aspect of my brain charge the old batteries yes yes because i feel like I don't, I don't know how, you know, I'm, I'm not into that aspect of science, but like, I imagine like if you're heavy into the creative side of your brain, it works over time compared to the other one. And when you're really using it as much as we do day in and day out, you as a theater teacher, me in the entertainment area and, and doing, you know, working at the distillery and being in and out with different people and us doing this and, 
all the other stuff in life, I imagine that sometimes even just the creative side of your brain, just that side needs to nap occasionally and let the other side take over. And I feel like the next few weeks being our off season, quote unquote, will be nice for that aspect of the brain to relax because it has been going nonstop. Even on days we're not recording, it's doing outlines or editing or shooting back ideas with you or like one sometimes we'll just watch a movie at your house and spitball ideas with a notepad and a piece of paper. And so having a few weeks off will be nice. I will, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to season four, but I'm telling you it, even this, you need a break every once in a while. Yeah. And you uh, deserve it. And plus dude, we, we get to kick off the new year at a WWE pay-per-view day one, baby. I have not been following uh, the, the wrestling uh, as much lately. I, I hear the big news, you know, yeah. and I haven't been watching. So I really don't know what to expect. I know we're going to get Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. Paul Heyman's going to be involved in that in some way. You know, Roman fired him recently. That's, that's allegedly. Uh, I, what we're not going to see, apparently, is Tony Storm. Yeah, weird. It was weird. Because she's been doing things, she's actually really good. I mean, Who knows why? Yeah, decisions are made the way that they are with the WWE. We definitely won't see Jeff Hardy. No, he's been released. But we did. You know, we we could technically we could say we had our last Hardy Boys moment as adults, and we're happy with that. Yeah, and that was a great moment. It was uh, a their great big moment. comeback. Yeah. WrestleMania thirty three. Yeah, yeah, that was great. So we can. I'm excited it. to see Edge though, and like this will probably be the last time we see Edge. You know, he's oh. not going to be around forever. We're lucky that he's still doing this at all. Uh, so I'm really going to soak that in. Yeah, but other than that, you know, it's just fun to be there. He's going against your boy Miz. I love Miz. Yeah, I would imagine Beth will probably get involved with Maurice. I'm hoping. We were kind of thinking they'd do like a mixed gender uh, match, uh, tag match, but they didn't go that route. But I'm sure the ladies will be involved in some way. So, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Other than that, how's life been, man? I feel like these last three episodes have been like boom, boom, boom. Yeah, it's a busy time, especially for you. Um, you know, we're dealing with some sickness here in the house. Mm-hmm. Emma has RSV. It's like a little respiratory. Basically, it's like a cold. When it's uh, when it's a kid, though, it's like a little more serious. Yeah. And we've dealt with this off and on with Emma since she's been born. Like her first Christmas when she was just a few months old, she had RSV. And back then, it was really scary because she was so little. Now, yeah. you know, she's okay. But now I've been sick. She's been sick. Becky was sick before that. Um, so we've just been dealing with that, mostly just chilling, enjoying our days off. Uh, and that's really been it. Cool. Cool. Well, as I said, work has been crazy. I've been pulling the long days, 10, 10 and a half hour work days, uh, depending on how busy it is when it's close to my quitting time. Uh, and the drive's starting to get to me, but I'd say, you know, that's just the long days. Other than that, I enjoy the drive. Like if I'm working a normal shift, I enjoy the drive there. It's time to, you know, have my own little choir concert. Thank Enjoy the view, even though it's technically winter time, even though it was 67 degrees today. Um, the drive's still beautiful because I always take those back roads from Douglas Dam 
uh, from Dandridge into Sevierville the back way. I always go over Douglas Dam. It's always a beautiful drive. So I enjoy it, but the long hours plus the drive is what's starting to wear on me. But as I said, dead season is, is coming in and we'll, we'll have a lot more time on our hands at work. So we'll get to do one of my favorite things to do. And that is elbow grease, deep cleaning, everything. I love deep cleaning. It's something I've always enjoyed. It's a little, little secret. Wow. Yeah, what's wrong? I don't, know. I don't, I don't know. I just, I love it. I'll put on my music and I'll just go. Like I don't use this, a broom and mop. I look, I get like on all fours with like disinfectant in a rack, that kind of cleaning. Like, what we used to call spring cleaning as kids. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely looking forward to the new year. 2022 is uh, definitely shaping up to be a good one in the nerd industry. If For you will, sure. Which we will be talking about in a little bit. Um, but last time we had a nice little discussion about a Christmas movie, a warm hearted Christmas movie that will make you think about family um friends uh vengeance um, animals animals uh yeah blood blood snow dark gritty sewers Gotham city r- lots of rubber lots Fish of rubber. i went back and watched it a little bit more even penguin's gloves whenever he mm, with his hands you just hear that it's like that was his theme tim was like we need a theme. Well, Batman, no, rubber. Rubber is the theme. This movie is brought to you by Rubber. Thank you, Rubber, for doing for superheroes what you don't do for everyday people. Uh, so, yeah, talking Batman Returns was fun. I always enjoy talking Batman. I would imagine that season four will see a lot more Batman conversation because uh, we do have two, three live action Batman we're going to see we're going to see the end of Ben Affleck's we're going to see Keaton return and we're going to see the beginning of Battinson uh, which I found out why Affleck is saying goodbye to Batman and it's not and I have to say it's not as much Warner Brothers with him he has come out and said he is done doing IP movies moving forward in his career he will not do any intellectual property films no franchises we're done I want to do original one-time content. Sounds like sort of a pretentious thing to say. It does sound pretentious, but, you know, I mean, I, we didn't get angry when someone like Sean Connery said that. Because that's a big reason he jumped out of Bond at a younger age then most people were ready for him to jump out. It's why yeah, but Sean Connery also did Indiana Jones. Yeah, but like later in his life, and it was he was only in one. He didn't do a franchise. That's why you don't see Connery in a franchise aside from James Bond. Because he was like, I don't want to do franchises. So, I mean, kudos to Ben, but I got to say, man, I enjoyed his Batman. I enjoyed his Bruce. Mm-hmm. I hate that he's already gone. Did but- you see Argo? Yes, 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 yes. So good. So, you know, Ben Affleck, I have a ton of respect for. Absolutely. And he can do whatever he wants. I'm just being yeah. silly about the pretentious thing. Yeah. But it sounds a little like, oh, you know, I've, I deserve better. I want to do Shakespeare, not musicals. <laughs> yeah. 
but uh, I liked his Batman a lot too. And um, uh, I, I can't see why anyone would ever get such an important you know, role as that and be like, yeah, you know, I'm done. Yeah. But also I've never been in their shoes before. So true. True. But yeah, I'm looking forward to 2022. A lot of great stuff coming out, uh, which we'll, we'll dive into. The first thing we should discuss is a new record has been set in the pandemic era. Yeah. Not just set, but destroyed. And not just pandemic era. This thing has destroyed other era box offices. Uh, and that would be the web slinger himself, Spider-Man, has finally broken one billion. Yeah. The, in a time where we never thought that would be possible again. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and it's the number one movie of uh, 2021. Uh, what's like the third highest opening weekend? All ever. held by Marvel movies. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> Great time to be a nerd. And it's just like, yeah, it's it's a weird time right now. And, and to think that a movie at, at this you know era would reach a billion dollars is crazy to think about. Like I didn't expect that at all, but it just goes to show that sometimes movies are more than just movies. Like this was an event, like in yeah. game was an event. Everybody had to see in game, no spoilers, stay away from spoilers. We all got to hear what, or uh, see what happens for ourselves and get that full experience. And this was like that and going into it. I didn't know it was going to be an event. I was excited about it, but I was just really trying to, suppress a lot of it like i don't want to get my hopes up too much i don't want to think too much about it i just want to go and go in with no expectations and just experience it and enjoy it but going into it a couple days before i could feel that pull that tug like something's happening this is a big deal and then it was and it didn't disappoint so it's well deserved and um it's great that Spider-Man can bring people together and i guess i guess some things some thoughts that have been circulating since the news dropped a couple of days ago of it hitting 1 billion and it just hit 1 billion a couple of days ago. So now it's over a billion already in the past year alone. And, and it's very fitting that we're in our season finale because we're also in the 2021 finale. And I, that's why I like how we run our seasons because it runs with the year. Uh, so in the yeah. finale of 2021 slash season three of 30 and nerdy in the last year, we have seen a lot of, and I have a lot of close friends who I truly firmly respect their beliefs and their thought on film and stuff like that. But in the last year, we have seen a lot of naysaying about comic book film and streaming and it's going to kill the theaters. And between the pandemic and streaming and comic book movies, the theaters are going to die. We saw in the last couple of weekends a comic book movie bring people out of their homes enough to make it cross the billion-dollar mark in a pandemic era. We were afraid that people wouldn't go see movies because of the pandemic. Spider-Man brought them out. We were afraid that cinema would die because of streaming services. Spider-Man brought it out where other exclusive theatrical runs didn't bring out a billion-dollar movie, Spider-Man did. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just saying that it's just comic book film. I'm not trying to start an argument with someone listening to this who probably who may have a belief that, yeah, but it's not real film. 
I don't. If they're listening to this show, they're probably in the wrong place. Yeah, they're probably. Let me let me redirect you. It it says a lot for us that the movie to break not just pandemic era, but even most pre-pandemic records is a nerd culture movie. And now the top three highest grossing opening weekends of the top five belong to MCU movies. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to be said about that. And that's not everybody. And and I understand there's there like we both have a friend who we worked with, Nick, who says that MCU movies comic book movies are like a roller coaster at a theme park and i respect his opinion but there are other people other than nick who are just so against it like look at the comments scorsese made look at the comments that this recent guy who did spaghetti pizza made just some of the negativity they've said about it to those people i kind of want to say that's still filmed work is being made into putting them and it puts butts in seats because because not 100% of America doesn't have to go to the theater to feel something every time, as in like an Oscar award winning performance or make you think people like to be entertained. Like not everything has to be so choice is basically what you're saying. Exactly. Not everything. But but at the same time, like on the artistic, you know, side of this discussion, I think there's a lot to say about about these movies having so much heart. And mm-hmm. these, it's it's the story of heroes. It's about triumph. It's about underdogs. It's about, you know, heart. It's about love and friendship and courage. Like, there's a lot to be said about that. And I just think, you know, I'm not an expert. I'm not a film expert, okay? Yeah. Um, and certainly our friend Nick is far more knowledgeable than me. Oh, me too, yeah. And I, I do respect his opinion. But at the same time, I feel like it's a little um, narrow-minded to, to say that about these things because these stories that have taken like in the in, in the end game uh situation that was a 10-year buildup 10 yeah. years of a story that had people so you know invested that it was the number one movie you know at the time yeah and before so, it infinity war was <laughs> you know like right yeah i mean i just think that a lot is to be said about this and congratulations to to Tom and the cast and crew of Spider-Man uh, to the, to Marvel, to, to Disney, to, to congratulations to nerds all around the world that uh, you know, our culture. You're not worthy. Exactly. I mean, and our culture continues to make a name for itself and say, we deserve to be here um, because we do just like movies like a star is born or wizard of Oz or, or citizen Kane. They all deserve to be there because they're all cinema. They're all film. There's a place in this world for every genre of film from indie to the big screen. So I guess also I would say moving forward in 2022, let's, let's try to keep that in our head to just be a little bit more positive and stuff like that. Um, but congratulations uh, on the negative end of things. I believe multiple times now in this season, alone we have talked about the the things going on at blizzard i feel like months ago we started tracking it and keeping track of it and if you go back and listen to like september and and, uh august and july and all that those summer episodes we started talking a lot about what was happening at blizzard and it's still going um 
the uh, in recent story, the ABK Workers Alliance, a collective of Activision Blizzard and King employees, has initiated strike action against its employer. The group plans to continue its work stoppage until its demands are met. This follows walkouts from other Activision Blizzard groups, including Raven's QA department. Now, Raven uh, has also been uh, sued and is having to play, pay anywhere from 80 to $100 million in damages against its different employees of different gender, different orientation, mishandling of them in the workplace. One of the so one of the things that is illegal to do in, during a strike is for it is unlawful to interfere with employees engaging in union activity. These people are trying to unionize. Messaging employees about the supposed consequences of unionizing and posturing internal change as a preferable alternative is not uncommon when a business management is faced with unionization. But Blizzard tweeted out to its employees all the things that could hurt them from unionizing. And that's unlawful, first of all, as I just said. And second of all, uh, in the tweet, it says, uh, today the ABK Workers Alliance announces the initiation of its strike. We encourage our peers in the game industry to stand with us in creating lasting change. And one of the things said from the uh, CEO or something like that is we want to inform you all and remind you all the negatives of unionizing and how this can harm you in the future as well as the present. That alone is saying stop unionizing. We're trying to get in the way of your unionization. So that's unlawful. So I don't know what has been going on in 2021 at Blizzard. I'm not an employee. I'm just following the news. But good Lord. I feel like we've been this has been going on for six months. It's crazy to me that a company that size uh, can have so many issues like this. Like some people really drop the ball somewhere. And it's like I think I said back in the summer when we started reporting on this. This is our nerd culture. This is Blizzard. This is the people who gave us like Call of Duty and like uh, that arcane show on Netflix, uh, Warcraft. Things like that. And it's like, that's nerd culture. You all are supposed to be accepting. Nerd culture is supposed to be about accepting others for their differences and stuff like that. At least a, a perfect nerd world does in my eyes is everyone's accepting. Now, I, I get that we are human and we are faulty. But at the same time, it's just crazy to me to think that this is still going on and they haven't just done the right thing. Instead of doing the right thing, they're not allowing unionization. They, of course, you know, if someone unionizes, the employers got to pay union fees and stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not the person to talk about that. Our dear friend, David Horton, he's worked for union theater companies and stuff like that. He's more knowledgeable in that world with the union and all that. So I don't know what all is going on, but all I know is you should keep your eyes on this. This is not over by any means. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of it. It really will. We'll see how things uh, have updated when we come back uh, early next yes. year for season four. So I thought it would be fun since we are on our season finale and we are at the end of the year 
that we go through a list of our top 10 favorite things uh, entertainment wise to come out of this past year. Okay. And a lot of it we've probably talked about on the show, but I yeah. just thought it would be fun for us to do that. Cause we got a lot of great stuff this year. We're getting a lot of great stuff next year. Um, and maybe we can make this a recurring thing Absolutely. every year. Absolutely. So I thought we'd start with 10, go backwards. Okay. Um, and I think a lot of stuff we're going to have the same because there was just so much good nerd stuff yeah. this year. And so really the majority of mine is in that area. Absolutely. So do you want to do like 10 and 10 or do you want us yeah. each to go through our whole list or what? Uh, let's go through our whole list. My number 10 is Falcon Winter Soldier. A lot more entertaining to me than I thought it would be. A lot more heartfelt than I thought it would be. I knew that it was going to be driven uh, with handing the shield down to Sam, which I was always looking forward to. I did not expect to feel as much as I did. Um, some of the fit, the you know clapbacks that it's gotten is it was uh, and, and a little tangent about this word. Not too long of a tangent. The only people using the term woke are the people who are against woke. Like we yeah. don't say woke. Yeah. Aggressives don't it's use so that term in nobody our daily said. life. So nobody says that. So just get over that. But I know that most people are like, oh, it's a woke Marvel show. But like, no, this was a beautiful story told about Sam taking over the mantle and Bucky getting on his feet. And I just thoroughly enjoyed it. Then number nine, uh, which is probably going to be shocking to you, when it's so low down, is WandaVision. And nothing against it. It was absolutely phenomenal. It kicked off our year with amazing stuff. But my mind always, you know, if it's not like I, I'm still thinking about it today, which I still do think about WandaVision, but so much has come out since. That's the only reason, really, that it's at number nine. So do you think it would have been higher up if it, like, had been switched with uh, Hawkeye? Yes. Like, if Hawkeye had come out first, when it was fresh, yes. then you would have put it higher? Okay. Yes, absolutely. Uh, speaking of Hawkeye, that's my number eight. I uh, absolutely loved it. The finale was, whoa, amazing. Um, having Kingpin back, having him go toe-to-toe with Kate Bishop, having Swordmaster – or swordman or whatever he is actually be a hero in the end instead of a bad guy that was cool getting to see him in action uh the moment with clint and yelena oh and when we were watching it madison was like they really don't have to keep rehashing that we lost they don't have to keep reminding us that we lost widow we're still sad we know it sucks we know we lost her they don't have to keep hitting us in the heart like they keep doing with widow i was like i know they didn't have to put that in there that's crap how dare they um but i loved it hawkeye was great i another one that i did not expect to you know i mean obviously he's not moved his way into my top 10 favorite heroes of all time but the new respect i have for hawkeye as a character, because it's what Kate Bishop said. It's the same reason we love Green Arrow and, and Batman. You showed me that you can be a hero with a stick and some strings. You can't fly. You can't shoot lasers out of your hands, but you choose to do it every single day. You jumped off a building knowing you couldn't fly. And I'm like, gosh, you nailed it. 
So that was one of the best moments of the whole show. So it was good. great. Um, up next, and it's crazy that it's this low, but Snyder Cut. Uh, number seven is Snyder Cut. Uh, loved it. All four hours and two minutes of it. Um, the new rendition of the Joker. The stories we got to see more in depth, especially Cyborg story. Um, but with that comes uh, the reminder of why WB pisses you off. So, the <laughs> <laughs> um, moving in uh, next is Loki. Loved it. Every episode I enjoyed, even the slower moments, even the more story driven as opposed to action moments. Hiddleston is a gem, and I loved the the variant of Kang we got to meet, and Sylvie is just phenomenal. I cannot wait to see more of Sylvie and Loki and Owen Wilson in the next season uh, and where that takes us with the multiverse. I can't wait because we already know that this Loki is supposed to be in Multiverse of Madness. So it'll be intriguing to see. It really will. Uh, up next is the Suicide Squad. Loved it. This is how DC should do all their movies. That gritty, um, that brutal, if they must be. And the cast was great. And we were entertained the entire time. We didn't leave. We, that's one of the first DC movies we have left together going, huh. I think Shazam and It is the only time we've left a DC movie with no qualms. Yeah, Birds of Prey, maybe? Yeah. I don't We didn't know yeah. Birds of Prey, but yeah. Shazam I was stoked about and Suicide Squad I loved, so yeah. It was great. It was awesome. Up next, I've got Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, getting to watch it with Christopher, who, because, you know, he's my older brother, and because of his hand-me-down toys and watching what he was watching when I was a kid, I fell in love with Ghostbusters and getting to watch that with him by my side, hearing him sniffle at the times I cry. And, you know, just that was awesome. Um, I also got to see it already. I didn't know if I told you. Um, but another thing I know is not on your list. Like, I, I can bet you $5 it's not on your list. Okay, you're probably right. <laughs> Taking Maddie through Supernatural. Seeing her fall in love with the characters I fell in love with, finding her favorites, laughing, crying when it was time to cry, getting scared at scary moments. Um, the finale scared. aired this year, right? Hmm? The finale aired this year, yes. right? Yes. Oh, okay. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but taking her through Supernatural was, was monumentous for me in 2021. Uh, number two, New York Comic Con. Life-changing. Uh, mind boggling, you know, I still try to wrap my head around all the nerd culture that I took in that I'm still not processed completely from costumes I saw to booths I walked by to all that fun stuff. Uh, and number one, which I would imagine is probably your number one, uh, No Way Home. Blockbuster and a half in more ways than just sitting and watching a movie. The opening night crowd was those crowds that you see on YouTube video, reaction videos. Like now they're, they're, they're everywhere. Like crowds reaction to end game crowds reaction to cat picking up the hammer crowds. We were part of that. And the fact that all six of us were together to get to do it meant so much 
And <clears throat> even if we weren't watching No Way Home, we could have been watching Eternals. And the fact that all six of us were together would have probably put it on this list somewhere just because the six of us were together. And it was I agree. Just, it was phenomenal. Um, but yeah, that's my top 10, man. It's a pretty good list, my friend. Pretty good list. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of similarities in our, our top 10 list here. But surprisingly, you have more MCU in your list than I do. Really? And when I thought about this past year, I mean, the MCU, they gave us nine different things this year. You know, Shang-Chi, Eternals, all the shows and everything, all that stuff. Um, and I didn't just want to go all MCU on my list because there were a lot of other things that came out this year. And honestly, things that I enjoyed a little bit more than some of the Marvel stuff. So uh, number 10 for me is Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, it's on Netflix. Andrew Garfield plays uh, Jonathan Larson, who's the uh, uh, creator of the Broadway musical Rent. So it's a musical. Uh, it's really good. Andrew Garfield was just exceptional. Really, really great. And, you know, as a guy with a theater background and a current theater teacher, I always appreciate when uh, big musicals and, and theater stuff is kind of in the limelight. Yeah. And, you know, Tick, Tick, Boom had its little five minutes of fame for a little bit when it came out. And it was great. So I highly recommend it. Okay. Uh, number nine, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, you know, video game movies are usually not great. And this one was not like some, you know, it's going to win all the awards. It's going to go down as some great movie or whatever. I just happened to really enjoy it. I love the Mortal Kombat characters. Um, I loved all the little nods to the games that they put in it. And it was just way better than the original movie. So I uh, had to put it on the list. Number eight, the Justice League Snyder Cut. Uh, like you said, four hours. <laughs> it was a big commitment. I uh, really only got through it like one and a half times, but just the idea of this is what the director's vision was like, this is what it could have been was just so much fun to see. Um, and really just the justice league deserved better than what we got. Yeah. And that was far, far better. So that was a really exciting time. Um, so I wanted to include that number seven in the Heights. Have you seen that one yet? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so that's a great one. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, he's a he, he's the big thing in theater right now, creator of Hamilton. Uh, he also did In the Heights. My daughter's in love with this movie, Encanto, that uh, came out. I am it, too. It's great. It's really good. And we you can don't tell, know about Bruno. That's my favorite song. That's my, that's my jam, dude. I love that song. Love it. Um, <laughs> you got me all distracted about Encanto now. We watched it like 20 times at my house. Um, but in that movie too, like you can tell there's those little Lin-Manuel things in the music and his use of a chorus and the ensemble and stuff, like all of that stuff that's in his wheelhouse, Lin-Manuel. And In the Heights was just really beautifully done. So I loved it. Number six, Dune. Um, I think the reviews on this were mixed. I was not a big fan of the original one. Uh, I like it a lot better now, having seen this one and kind of understanding the story better. Uh, I've not read the books, so I can't, you know, really be a part of that discussion. But I thought the movie was great. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to the continuation of, of the franchise. My number five was Ghostbusters Afterlife. 
Um, what a great, great oh. movie. What a great love letter to the fans. Um, it just had all the right little things to nod to the to the old movies without throwing it in your face, you know. Yeah. So uh, where we talked about the 2016 Ghostbusters, it was very forced. This one, not so much. Uh, so it was it was great. Number four, you already talked about Suicide Squad. I loved the Suicide Squad. I, that and Shazam are my top uh, DC uh, movies. Um, the Suicide Squad, actually, it was on HBO Max at the time. We did see it yeah. in the theaters anyway. But yeah. the next day, I put it on and watched it again because <laughs> I it so much. It was just so entertaining. Uh, my number three is Loki because they took us on a, a great ride for that seven or eight, nine weeks, however long the, the show was. Um, I've always liked Loki and enjoyed Loki, but this gave me a whole new appreciation yeah. for him uh, like it was meant to do. Um, and I can't wait to see where they go with that in the future. My number two is WandaVision. I thought it was absolutely incredible. Um, every single week, I was excited. I was looking forward to what was going to come next. Um, I love that everybody was always trying to predict what was happening and had all the, you know, the guesses and assumptions about everything. And I every single episode, when the credits rolled, I was so disappointed because oh. i just wanted it to keep going i thought the acting was tremendous the different uh eras that they used for the sitcoms and how they had to change up their style and and, and everything about it i just thought it was perfect and i thought that um it should have won all the awards but uh, alas it did not and my number one i can't say it any better than you spider-man no way home it was not just a movie it was an event mm -hmm. Absolutely incredible. I went back to the theater and saw it again a second time. I could probably stand to see it a third time. Um, and I haven't done the repeat thing in a long time. So yeah. it was number one for sure. It was a great year. It really was. Uh, despite uh, all the hardships uh, the globe has felt in the last two years, um, you know, 2021 is definitely a step up from 2020. Uh, not just entertainment, but, you know, vaccines came out, uh, boosters came out uh, with this Omicron going around. Um, if we don't know, I mean, most of Broadway shut down. Um, my boss, Brian, has a cruise booked for March. And he said today that he's probably be he'll probably be changing his, his spring vacation plans because in the emails he's getting is it's not looking good for his March cruise in the way that things are going. So this little boom <laughs> that we've got um, could dwindle again uh, if Omicron gets even more out of control. So I hope that that doesn't happen. I hope that it, you know, it doesn't get to as bad as it was uh, again. And uh, we don't get a chance to see our loved ones like we were. Um, here's looking to the positive moving forward. But, uh, we talked about our top 10 um, favorite things, 2021. Uh, and you, you have in the notes here, like things we're looking forward to. Uh, mm -hmm. IGN did a poll uh, this last month. Um, the top 10 most anticipated blockbusters of 2022. And I'm going to read off the top 10 here that were voted on by IGN subscribers, listeners, whatever. So number one 
I'll, I'll go descending too. <laughs> descending number number ten, which would not be on my top ten list. Mission Impossible Seven. Nah. Nah. Number nine, Top Gun Two, Maverick. Nah. Yeah. Number eight, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Yes, definitely. Aquaman's top five for me in the uh, DC movies. Yes. Number seven, Avatar 2. I'll see it. I'll see it, but, man, we're years beyond my excitement for Avatar. Like, I'm just like, okay. Um, Six, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Absolutely. Five, Jurassic World Dominion, which is the sixth and final (laughs) installment of Jurassic Park Universe, JP. Allegedly. 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 It's going to have all of them together. Chris Pratt will be in a scene with Owen, and or Owen will be in a scene with uh, Sam Neill's character and uh, all of them. So that'll be kind of cool to see. Uh, four, Thor, Love and Thunder. Yep. Number three, The Batman. Yeah, for sure. They just uh, put out a new trailer. They did. The Bat and the Cat trailer. Yep. Looks good. I'm excited. Number two, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. Absolutely. And number one, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Very much so. Very much. So I would honestly say out of that top ten, three I'm not really looking all that forward to. And Jurassic World, eh. You know, I'd like to see it in theaters, but if I don't make it, it's not going to break my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some things that uh, we didn't uh, that didn't make that list that are on your mind that you're looking forward to? Well, it just started, uh, you know, today, but the book of Boba Fett is going to continue on uh, through through into next year. And uh, first episode was good, uh, started strong. Look forward to that. Uh, we're getting the Obi-Wan series mm-hmm. on Disney Plus, which I'm very excited for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're going to get uh, a couple of Disney shows. Uh, we're going to get Miss Marvel. Marvel. Uh, we're going to get Miss Marvel, Marvel as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. Also... If Echo, I don't know if Echoes this year. I think it's 2023. Is, is, uh, is Ahsoka next year or is it the year after? It might be 2022. Could be. Okay, uh, I know we're getting some show called I Am Groot in 2022. I guess it's about Groot. (laughs) Probably animated. The Guardians holiday special is coming out, too. That's true. So, around Christmas next year. Lots to look forward to. Oh, yeah. 2022 is going to be huge for nerd culture. Um, And since this is your, your finale, that you have been, you you created the nerd, you didn't create. I wish you could, don't you wish you could say you created this word? I think that the nerd word is very fitting. And I don't know that we've ever used this one before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if we haven't, that's lucky for us because it's perfect for today. The word is Excelsior. That's right. Excelsior used uh, most commonly by Stan the Man Lee, our topic today. Uh, but it's Latin for ever upward or higher. 
Uh, Stan started using this in 1968, I believe. Uh, he always liked to have some sort of a sign-off. You know, he had these little catchphrases like, enough said, and true believers, and face front, and all this stuff. And he started using that as like one of his little sign-offs. Uh, Stan is quoted as saying, I used to have a lot of expressions that I would end my comic book columns with. Hang loose, face front, enough said. And I found that the competition was always imitating them and using them. By competition, I assume he means DC. Uh, so I said, I'm going to get one expression that they're not going to know what it means and they won't know how to spell it. And that's where Excelsior came from. And they never did take uh, take up on it. Thank goodness. So there's Stan. There's the meaning behind Excelsior. It means go forth, ever upward, carry on. Excelsior. Yeah. Beautiful word. Um, and I think that after his passing, the word meant so much more to, to nerds around the world. Um, what we thought was just a word that he ended his comics on and said in interviews, um, knowing that it had such a deep meaning to him is like, oh, you know, in 1968, I just started using it to finish my, but then it became embodied with Stan Lee. You couldn't hear Excelsior without thinking Stan Lee. So it's 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 rare in the entertainment world where a word can be synonymous with a person. And he did it with this. Excelsior and Stan became one unit together. Anytime you saw Stan or heard Stan, you knew you were going to hear Excelsior. Anytime somebody would just say Excelsior or write Excelsior, your mind automatically went to Stan Lee. So you're absolutely right. Very fitting. Perfect word to do in this episode and to end season three on. Uh, but as, as, as you heard, our season three finale episode is all about the man, the myth, the legend, Stan Lee. And we're going to talk more about Stan Lee when 30 and 30 podcast returns. <laughs> 30 Nerdy's presenting sponsor and the home of all of the official 30 Nerdy swag is Advertising Expressions. Juice, what would Superman be without the big S on his shirt? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about Iron Man? What, what if he couldn't slap that Stark Industries logo on everything? You know, Clark and Tony, they probably go to Advertising Expressions, like us, for all their advertising needs. Oh, yeah. And so should you. And when you need your own symbol, like for work, church, school, a team of super friends maybe, check out Advertising Expressions. They can help you get your name and logo in front of as many people as possible, as often as possible, for as long as possible. That's right. So whether you're a billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, or faster than a speeding bullet, check out Advertising Expressions at advertising-expressions.com. Or give them a call at 423-586-3270. And tell them the nerds at 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you. Tennessee Legend Distillery was founded in 2015 and has quickly become one of the top distilleries for natural extracts and ingredients in its spirits. With no high fructose corn syrup, artificial sweeteners, or harmful ingredients, Tennessee Legend Distillery has four locations in the state of Tennessee. Without Newport, Sevierville, Cookville, and Nashville distilleries. You see, 
At Tennessee Legend Distillery, we have spent more time focused on the quality of our spirits than the number of our stores. We have a great selection of non-flavored spirits as well, like vodka, bourbon, whiskey, and gin. Tennessee Legend Distillery has multiple awards and medals for state, national, and international spirit contests, and even carries 2019's Best Tasting Whiskey in the State of Tennessee with our Salted Caramel 60 Proof Whiskey. We offer discounts for veterans, active military, nurses, police officers, firefighters, first responders, and even multiple bottle discounts. Don't live in Tennessee? We ship to select states. Go to GACraftSpirits.com to see if we deliver to you. That's G-A-C-R-A-F-T-S-P-I-R-I-T-S dot com. If you stop by the Sevierville location, tell them 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you and be a legend with Tennessee Legend Distillery by receiving a free shot glass and 15% off of your order. What are you waiting for? Cheers to you. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoDuroParlayHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and parlay points are a companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Hi, heroes. This is Stan Lee coming at you. Want you to know, Marvel has always been and always will be a reflection of the world right outside our window. That world may change and evolve, but the one thing that will never change is the way we tell our stories of heroism. Those stories have room for everyone, regardless of their race, gender, religion, or color of their skin. The only things we don't have room for are hatred, intolerance, and bigotry. That man next to you, he's your brother. That woman over there, she's your sister. And that kid walking by, hey, who knows? He may have the proportionate strength of a spider. We're all part of one big family, the human family, and we all come together in the body of Marvel. And you, you're part of that family. You're part of the Marvel universe that moves ever upward and onward to greater glory. In other words, Excelsior. You know, we normally like to start out with like a little 
intro about our our topic uh, for the day. And, you know, I was thinking about that and I just couldn't come up with anything that I was happy with that really conveyed what Stan Lee means to the nerd community, uh, I guess you'd say, until I reread this tweet from uh, from Chris Evans, Captain America himself. And he tweeted this right after Stan Lee's death in 2018. And he said, there will never be another Stan Lee. For decades, he provided both young and old with adventure, escape, comfort, confidence, inspiration, strength, friendship, and joy. He exuded love and kindness and will leave an indelible mark on so, so, so many lives. Excelsior. And I just thought that was perfect. There's, I mean, what more can you say to sum up Stan Lee and what he meant to, you know, people like us? I don't know that there's anyone who is more beloved, influential, charismatic, and what have you. He's one of the most influential entertainers to emerge from the 20th century. And the impact that he has had on entertainment, on not just the comic book industry, but entertainment in itself, you know, the movies and everything, it's going to live on forever. And the ripple effect of how many people have been touched, affected by the characters that he has had a hand in creating and the stories that he's, that he's told over the years, you know, it's just infinite. Yeah. And I'm very excited to talk about him. I've been reading up on Stan over the past few weeks, studying up a little bit. I've learned a lot about him. I'm going to share, you know, some info with you guys about him. Uh, We'll talk about some of his creations, a little bit of the controversy, and then we're going to end things today talking about the cameos. Everybody loves the Stan Lee cameos, right? So we're going to talk about all of that stuff. Um, But first, what what is it about Stan, you think, that just makes him so lovable? What, What is it about him that has just hit home with so many people over the years? I think it's his ignorance to what he is or what he, what he was, he, and when I say his ignorance to what he, he had no, like he, he was just like your grandfather. He had no clue. Like he had a clue and he knew what he had done and what he had created. But I mean, most people who are in touch with what they have accomplished, like who their accomplishment becomes their identity you can't stand to be in the room with him. His accomplishments weren't his identity. His identity was just bringing happiness to people. Whether it was in a book he wrote, whether it was in a picture he took with someone on the street, whether it was in a cameo, or whether it was in a radio interview or narrating Spider-Man 64. You know, greetings, true believers. He his identity wasn't based on what he's done. He just loved loving people and bringing smiles and creating these worlds. If he lived equal to what he had created, we'd have hated him because he'd have been someone like Jeff Bezos or some of these politicians that we can't stand. I could actually be Stanley trying to go to space, though. Yeah, (laughs) different reasons, though. He'd go for different reasons. I wouldn't say that Stan was necessarily humble. <laughs> um, he was a pretty big self-promoter, but 
I agree with what, what you're trying to say that he just was all about the love and the joy and putting the smiles on people's faces. And he had such an energy about him. Like if you look at pictures of him at the red carpet and stuff, he's striking the Spider-Man poses and he's always doing these big poses. He's always smiling. And just, he had this infectious sort of personality. It seems like Um, I was lucky enough to, meet him for about two seconds i've I've got a actually it's hanging on my wall here i've got his autograph you know we didn't yeah. really talk or anything it was just like hello how are you he signed it i said thank you and that was it because there was like hundreds of people there to see him um but having that that autograph is uh a big deal to me and having that short little interaction with him um was a huge, huge deal, but he, he just connected with, with people so much. Uh, he was really the first to sort of, he put letters to the fans in his comic books. He had this uh, thing called Stan's soapbox and he would just talk about, you know, whatever was going on politics or uh, his thoughts on whatever. And just, you know, he used his first name. I'm Stan. You know, the people referred to him as Stan. Like a lot of people who used to work for him, uh, as I've read in some of these books, they never felt like they should call him Mr. Lee. It was always, oh, it's Stan, you know. And you got to love people like that. Uh, Speaking on his connection with the fans, he started the Mary Marvel Marching Society in 1964, which I'd never heard of, actually, uh, until all my research. But this was like the Marvel fan club. And you got like little gifts and stuff like that. And he actually, they recorded a record of the Marvel bullpen, like just the people who were employed in the Marvel offices and the the artists and everything, just them talking, um, cracking jokes and stuff. Apparently Stan scripted the whole thing and, and made a big production out of it. But that was something that went out to the fans. Like they just felt like they knew the artist. So he was all about making those connections and, he was great at that. Piggybacking off of, you know, what, what Stan Lee has meant to people. Um, you know, I, I, when I talked about, we were recording this episode, uh, one of the things that messages we got back that resonated with me is actually from our dear friend, Buck. He said, Stan Lee's creations were my friends for most of my life. When the real world was a bad place, I could always check in with daredevil who was probably having a nervous breakdown of his own. And in times of happiness, celebrated finishing exams by going to the comic shop with my good friend in Memphis every quarter. By making his characters real and relatable, they continued to appeal in various times through life's ups and downs. Whenever I look through my comic books, it is like watching an old video of my life, recalling when I purchased what and hero and what hero was my favorite during different times of my life, but also the changing life sentiments of society. Thank you, Stan, for my imaginary quote, friends. Oh, thanks, Buck. That's and that's that's what he was to all of us. He was a lot of people can relate. Escape. You know, I I can I can talk about, you know, resonating a little more with with some DC comics, but that's not to say that I didn't have tons of Marvel comics and still to this day don't I, I probably to this day have more Marvel than I do DC. Well, I think you didn't really come to the realization that you were more of a DC guy until until we started talking about it more. Because I remember like years ago, I was like, Tyler, I think you're a DC guy. You're like, no, I'm not a DC guy. I'm not a DC guy. I was like, Tyler, 
every time we talk about superheroes, you're talking about like the animated DC stuff or the Batman stuff. Like you're a DC guy. You're like, no, no, I'm not. And then finally you just embraced it. Um, well, I think like I felt like in the world of the MCU and what it was becoming, being a DC guy would be like saying when WWE was on top near the end. of, I'm a TNA guy. Yeah, I'm a TNA guy. Like, <laughs> that's what it felt like to me. It's like if I say I'm a DC guy in the world of the MCU taking the world by storm, people are going to look at me like I'm an outcast and I don't know what I'm talking uh, about. Uh, well, so, to, which is not true. Yeah. And to be fair, like when TNA was the thing, like wrestling fans talk about tna lol you know nobody's ever been like do you see lol maybe with the movies a little bit but as far as the characters and stuff no not at all i mean marvel it is that escape it is you know i could pick up when i was feeling especially in elementary and middle school and let's be honest most of high school you know when i was having a day where i was feeling so different and so left out. So I guess just not part of society. It, it changed my entire mentality when I, I knew that if I was having those days, when I got home, before I do my homework, I'd read X-Men. Because if anyone knew what it was like to be ostracized for being different, it was the mutants. Yeah. And, and I think it wasn't just the mutants. It was why I, I knew why Stan created him. And I knew when he created him and what he was saying when he created him. And he was trying to say to all of us, my God, celebrate your differences. Celebrate not being the popular kid. Because you know what? The non-popular kid has a place in this world too, just like mutants had a place in this world. There are going to be days where people make you feel like you don't. And those were the words of Stan Lee that got me through a lot of things. Now, if I wanted to go deeper and darker, it was, you know, in middle school and high school, it was friends like Logan and Caleb and my family that kept me through, got me through. But, you know, reading those comic books, reading about, you know, the, the tough day that Peter Parker was having or the way society was treating the mutants. It made me feel like, you know what? Uh, they get mistreated all the time. What Stan's trying to say is even though they're getting mistreated, even though they look like being treated like the scourge of society, they still get up and they do the best they can with what they've got for the better of humanity. That's no what people are saying. And that's something about Stan's creations that sort of stood out because he was the first to create characters and write stories for characters where they had like real world problems, like the Fantastic Four. They were a family and they didn't always get along and they mm-hmm. weren't even necessarily happy about having their powers. They were like, oh, my God, what are we going to do now? Look at us. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I have this great power. I'm a hero or I am to save the day because that's all there really was leading up to that. You know, Superman, yeah. boom, Batman, boom. And he was the first to say, like, oh, Spider-Man, he's a teenager. He's what happens if he's on a date with the girl that he likes and then he doesn't have money for a cab home? Like people can connect to those things. They can relate to those things. And that's why I've always felt like for me personally, Marvel characters are more relatable. Um, 
you know, that's not always necessarily the case. And you can argue it both yeah. ways or whatever. Yeah. That's just how I felt about it. Um, but I think we, you know, before we get into all this good stuff, we need to talk a little bit about a little bit of the controversy. Okay? Yeah. When you were talking about controversy, when you were telling me about this book and like when you would make it to, to some stop points and you would kind of discuss a little bit, I was truthfully baffled that number one, anyone could write us a, a snuff piece on Stan Lee. Yeah. So, so what is this book? So, uh, Listeners can't really see this right now. I'm holding up for Tyler in our camera because we're not together. <laughs> the book True Believer, The Rise and Fall of Stan Lee by Abraham Reisman. Um, and this is a book that came out last year sometime. And I had heard that it was sort of a brutal, uh, more on the negative side take on Stan but a lot of people who knew Stan personally, like Kevin Smith said, oh, I read it and really it wasn't anything that offended me too greatly or anything like that. So I was like, all right. I was worried that it would change my opinion of Stan. Uh, I did not read the whole book, guys. So I'll just be upfront about that. So I don't really know how things play out and what sort of a tone that the author takes towards the end. But I've read half of the book and it's basically nonstop just Stan shouldn't take credit for anything. He stole ideas. He didn't do anything. He got all this credit he doesn't deserve. He exaggerated and he lied about everything. Basically, this guy is saying if Stan said it, it was a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I think I said to you yesterday, I have seen biographies of Adolf Hitler that had more sympathy for the subject than this book did for Stan Lee. I don't really understand the point. Like, why do you want to devote a whole book to just tearing this guy apart who so many people loved? Was it because he felt like the other artists who worked with Stan didn't get the credit they deserved and he wants to tell the truth about that? Maybe, maybe so. Um, but it was pretty brutal. Um, and I found myself in one of those situations where like, you know, you see people who really admire a f an important figure, a prominent figure, and maybe that person doesn't have very admirable qualities or they're not what they seem to be. Or sometimes it's very clear who they are, but people just sort of ignore it because they love them so much or they love what they possibly stand for. You, you see what I'm getting at? And yeah. so I found myself like, I love Stan so much. I'm so worried about thinking negatively. I'm, I'm worried about what if this is true and it affects my opinion of him. At the end of the day, this is one dude's perspective, right? This is, and he has a lot of stuff that if you look it up and you research it, there's a lot of truth to it. And a lot of the people who worked with Stan did feel slighted. Jack Kirby did not necessarily love Stan, uh, you know, in the end. Steve Ditko, uh, who created Spider-Man with Stan, same thing. Stan did try to, you know, publicly say, oh, this guy deserves so much credit. He's even better than me. And all, he tried to, to appease these, these guys, uh, but it just wasn't necessarily enough. So how much of it's true? I don't know. And honestly, the, the author doesn't know either. He wasn't there. Nobody really knows. But essentially, there's a lot of stuff out there that points to the idea that Stan's stories changed a lot. The man lived to be like 95 years old. So it's possible that he forgot things or things got twisted around a little bit. It yeah. may not necessarily be that he was trying to lie, but Stan was a good salesman. You know, 
he had that Stan Lee character uh, that was like the, the, the brand, the, the face of Marvel. So did he maybe exaggerate at times? Sure. Probably so. But at the same time, you can't take away his involvement with pushing Marvel as a brand, pushing these stories and these characters the way that he did. You know, he's not the one who drew them or designed them true, but he was very, very uh, involved with the stories that that were told. So I didn't finish the book because it was just constantly negative on Stan. And I just wasn't about that. Uh, What I did read and enjoy, it was called Amazing, Fantastic, Incredible, a Marvelous Memoir of Stan Lee. And Stan was involved in this. And it's basically like just a graphic novel, like comic book form of just Stan first person telling his life story. Okay. And it was a lot of fun. Um, and he even talked a little bit about some of the controversy stuff. Uh, he didn't go into a ton of detail, of course, but it was brought up. Uh, one big uh, controversy was Stan Lee media that he started in like 2001. It was going to be like this big internet company and he didn't do anything wrong, but there were a lot of people who had some shady stuff going on. A lot of people went to prison. There was a bunch of court cases. So that whole thing got closed down. A lot of people got hurt, Stan included, uh, but he was, you know, in the clear. It was shown he, he had done nothing wrong, yeah. but it was a big deal at the time and it really hurt his image. And then closer uh, to the end of his days, there was uh, a sexual harassment Uh, suit that was brought up by these two I think they were nurses Uh, they claimed that Stan had sexually harassed them he denied all of it all the allegations he said they were just trying to like get money out of him and also there was you know people knew that Stan was reaching the end so there were a lot of people who were trying to get close to him and try to make decisions for him about where his money should go and what should happen with his estate and stuff so there was a lot of like you know, psychological abuse going on, you might say, by a lot of people who were close to him. His daughter was involved in a lot of it and just a lot of really sad stuff. Um, I did learn, though, that Kevin Smith, who we love and who was a good friend, he tried to get Stan to come live with him at the last, you know, last little bit of his life. And of course, he never did. Um, But yeah, the biggest controversy is just that, oh, Stan takes credit for stuff that he didn't do. There's lots of documentation to show things both ways and Stan's stories have sometimes been a little inconsistent, but again, this is over the course of like 70 years. I can't remember things yesterday in in great detail. So Uh, it's possible that he just made mistakes. Yeah. At 32. I mean, I feel like I was making these jokes to you 10 years ago, you know, like we, you couldn't, you can't remember what you had for lunch yesterday. Yeah. Like I've been making those jokes to you for years. That's me. I mean, because the humans so so fallible. You know, we I mean, I I probably remember things completely different from my childhood and my mom and dad would probably be like, That's not how that perspective. I swear to God that's how it happened. Yeah. You know, it's just human perspective. You know, I guess one person can make a difference. Enough said. But now that we've got that aside, yeah. let's go ahead and talk about 
the good stuff. Let's talk about Stan the Man. So Stanley Martin Lieberman was born December 28th, 1922. Just had a, a birthday. Happy birthday, Stan. Uh, he was born to parents Jack and Celia Lieber. They were Romanian immigrants and they were a Jewish family. They lived in Washington Heights, which is we talked about in the Heights earlier. Washington Heights. Yeah, he grew up there. Lots of immigrants uh, live there and today, too. So um, he had a brother named Larry Lieber and Larry was also involved in comics and worked with Stan a lot. But, you know, with the name change, you know, Stan Lee did not go by Lieber. He had his name officially changed at one point. So mm, some people didn't make the connection and they didn't really have a very close relationship. Now, Stan grew up during the Great Depression, so he talked about having memories of his parents having a lot of arguments about money. That was a big stress back then. Um, And he had to go through a lot of jobs to help support the family. Uh, He said that he worked at a movie theater in Times Square and that he even got to escort uh, Eleanor Roosevelt to her seat one time at the movies. Yeah. He worked at a trouser manufacturer. He was an office boy. He uh, one of his first writing gigs was writing obituaries uh, and something about like he wrote a pamphlet about tuberculosis, like don't get tuberculosis. Or I something. did know about that. I knew that yeah. he wrote a tuberculosis pamphlet. Yeah. Well, I mean, when we get to him being in the army, I'll tell you about another funny thing that he wrote. Uh, but he started at Timely Comics, which would one day become Marvel Comics. He started in 1939, and the way Stan tells it is, oh, I saw that they needed a a writer in in the paper, and I I went and applied, and I got the job. But really what happened, and he did end up admitting this later on, there was a relative who worked there who kind of helped him get his foot in the door. And talking about early Stan, you know, he was like the, the office boy. He would go fetch things for, you know, the guys who were the artists. And they talked about how he had this little recorder, like a little flute, and he would sit and play this flute all day and would drive them crazy. They're like, Stanley, stop. And so finally, you know, they could tell this kid's ambitious. He wants to get involved. They used to have these little like two page inserts in the early comic books that yeah. was just text, no pictures. And they needed some text for Captain America number three. And so they said, all right, Stanley, show us what you got. So Stan wrote the uh, the text for Captain America Comics number three. And this was the first time that he used the name Stan Lee um, instead of Stanley Lieber, because he was saving the name Stanley Martin Lieber for when he wrote the great American novel. He was going to be a writer. He was going to be an actor. You know, he wanted to do all these great things. And he thought, I'm just going to save my real name for that. But for this, Stan Lee. And it's funny how that turned around and that became his actual. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, so he, after a little while, he served in the army and his official title in the army was playwright. So he was writing like the training films and the manuals and cartoons <laughs> and stuff. And he did this ad like for the guys who were overseas, you know, they sometimes got a little frisky. And there was a big outbreak of like venereal diseases going around. So they had Stan write this little comic it was like a like a soldier pointing to himself and it said vd not me basically saying guys be careful (laughs) now while he was in the army uh there was only like nine dudes in the entire army who had the title playwright and one of them just happened to be dr seuss 
Isn't that crazy? Uh, yeah. Cool. And there were other people too, like directors, like people, a lot of people who went on to be big deals. Stan, he didn't necessarily work with them, but they were in the same designation at wow. the same time. Imagine that, like, what was your designation in the military? Playwright. Playwright. Oh, I don't think that exists. It did for us nine. We were a fellowship of playwright. They were freaking. I would, that's perfect. I, They're the nine. I oh. would love to have that job if I were in the military. Oh, my God. Right. And And going back to the. You know, the uh, the nepotism, nobody just if, if that's a negative that people are trying to point out, like nobody admits like, oh, I got the job. But nobody wants to say that nobody ever in their life has bragged about I got the job because I had a second cousin who worked there. I mean, and this is just a chance to get a job. And it's not like he got a small loan of a million dollars from his father or something to help him start a company or what have you literally like if that's a negative that people have about it oh no darn but then he still stand the man lee the captain america thing that's just hilarious i i knew that he wrote that pamphlet we were talking about but i i really want to see this vd ad <laughs> that he worked uh, on he did a picture of it in this uh this memoir i'll have to borrow that from you yeah, it's really worth the read. I I read it in like two two settings because it was just so good. VD, not me. <laughs> and it's got like the the sexy lady leaning she looks up like Jessica Rabbit, pretty much. You know, and then here's the little cartoony soldier. He's yeah. like, nope, not me. I'm gonna walk on by. <laughs> it's the lesson he taught the boys That's at war. Funny. Uh, so he. Came back from from the war, and he, one of the most important things about Stan's life was his lovely wife Joan. Yeah, uh, she yeah. was a British model, uh, and he married her in 1947. And he actually, when he met her, he was <laughs> he was going to the door. He was set up on a blind date, and he knocks at the door, and somebody else was the girl that he was supposed to go out with. But Joan answered, and he she opened the door, and apparently he was like, "Oh, I'm going to marry you." Yeah, just right started with that yeah. because he said that when he was a kid and he would do little sketches like there was this woman he always drew like this is my, you know, archetype for a beautiful woman. This is what she would look like. And when he saw Joan, he said, this is the yeah. this is the girl that I used to draw. Yeah. And uh, she was actually already married. She was a, a, a military wife. So like she married some dude who went off the war and she didn't really, you know, see him after that at that point. So she went to get it annulled. And I think it was like Las Vegas or something. They walked in the door to the judge, got the marriage annulled. And that same day, the same judge then turned around and married her to stand. Wow. <laughs> so, um, they had a daughter named Joan Celia, born in 1950. She goes by JC. Okay. And I didn't know this. They had another little girl named Jan, who actually uh, was born and died in 1953. She uh, only lived a couple of weeks, I think. Wow. And Stan said that they took it really hard, um, but they actually didn't talk about it much. And I actually watched a documentary that, Joan was um, interviewed on and she said, you know, we have never really talked much about it. P 
people process things different ways, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I had never heard about that. Uh, so they were married all the way up until 2017 when Joan died at 95 years old and they were married for 69 years. And then Stan passed away the following year. Wow. That's very close to Johnny and June's story. And it's very, very prominent in true love marriages. Like, I agree. Died, the, died, the other one dies weeks I, uh, less than a year later. My, I held my grandfather's hand when he took his last breath in September 2015. The following September, my grandmother passed, his wife, and they were married for almost that same amount of time. So it happens a lot. Yeah. Just like in the notebook. Yeah. I mean, I know when after my grandfather died, uh, my grandmother was never the same. She just wasn't. It's crazy. I'm going to miss him. Yeah. We were friends, you know. Can I return it if it doesn't fit? It always fits. Eventually. So let's talk about what we all, of course, know Stan for, and that's his creations, or the yes. at least the creations that he has had a hand in, um, depending on what you believe. Now, when the 1950s rolled around, comics were not a big, important thing like they are now. They, they didn't have tons of fans everywhere it was like oh it's just for kids or whatever and a lot of times people who did comics were embarrassed they were ashamed like stan talked about how people would come up to him and say oh what do you do and he's like oh i i'm i'm a writer oh what do you write uh i write children's stories and he tried to get away so he didn't have to say oh i do comics and then they found him, oh well what what kind of stories what kind of kid stories and he's like oh i do comics and then they'd be like oh you know and they turn around and walk away um, because people looked down on it, it was like a very low brow thing, like kind of like when in like if you see somebody that you don't know and you strike up a conversation and you tell them you're a wrestling fan and they give you that. Oh, well, you know, it's fake. Right. Oh, that's whatever. I hate when people do that. Yeah, um, it was kind of like that. But he really showed people, of course, because then it became the biggest thing ever. But now in that same time, part of the reason that people were so against comics was because uh, there was this psychiatrist named Dr. Friedrich Wortham, Wortham, can't really say his name. And he wrote this book called Seduction of the Innocent, where he claimed that comic books turn children into delinquents. So this argument that, has been around for generations because now it's this, video games. This set up mass hysteria. So then there was the comic uh, Comics Magazine Association of America who created that little Comics Code Authority seal that comics would, would have. And this says that we've read through this comic and we can say that, you know, there's nothing in here that would go against our expectations and what's appropriate for children. And they had to abide by that forever, okay? And Stan talked about how, like, he had a story where Spider-Man talked about, you know, avoiding drugs and saying drugs are bad. It got denied. They were like, oh, you can't talk about drugs. And he said, but he's against drugs. He's saying it's a bad thing. This is exactly the message we want to send. No, it talks about drugs. We can't do it. And so he talked about how frustrating that was. And what's really odd about this is that this psychiatrist guy, Dr. Friedrich Wortham, Wortham um, you would think, oh, he's 
you know, pretty conservative, right? But he was actually a very progressive man. He, in the time when, you know, racial tensions were very high, he would treat poor African-American citizens, uh, you know, for free just to help out. And he was re- uh, very involved in Brown versus the Board of Education, which was what established the, um, the law saying that, you know, segregation in schools is unconstitutional. And they cited his research that, you know, helped win the case. So he did all those great things, but yet he's known for being the guy who tried to destroy comics. So it's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. So Stan's at this point where he's like, okay, this is hard. It's just one headache after the other. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm ready to quit. And around that time, Martin Goodman, who is the, the publisher at Timely Comics, uh, Marvel, he said, all right, Stan, I want you to create a new team of superheroes. And he was talking to Joan. This is Stan's version of the story. And he was like, oh, I'm ready to quit. And she said, well, why don't you just write a story the way you want to do it? Make it your own. Make it exactly how you want. And if he hates it and he fires you, oh, well, you're going to quit anyway. And he says, OK, I'll give it a try. And that's when we got the Fantastic Four in 1961. Uh, and it was a huge hit. This was a co-creation with Jack Kirby. And that's where we get the thing who was actually the most popular of the four characters, uh, Sue Storm, Johnny Storm, Human Torch, and then Mr. Fantastic. And like I said earlier, this was the first time where the characters like didn't like having their powers. They weren't happy about what had happened to them. Um, they weren't so gung-ho heroic. They, they had problems. They had issues. They had arguments. Um, and it was real. So that sort of set the Marvel age in motion over the next few years in the sixties, it was like the age of Marvel, the Marvel revolution in 1962, we got the incredible Hulk and Thor and Ant-Man all co-creations with Kirby, Jack Kirby. We also got my all time favorite Spider-Man, which was created by Stan and Steve Ditko. And that was uh, when Stan was like, all right, I need a new hero. I know I want him to be a kid and I know I want him to stick to walls. Cause he said he saw an insect on the wall and he said, wouldn't it be cool if I had a hero who could stick to walls? And he's like, all right, fly man. Eh, that doesn't sound good. Mosquito man. No, Spider-Man sounds dramatic. And that's how Spider-Man was created. 1962. Then in 1963, we got the X-Men. We got Sergeant Fury and his howling commandos. We got Iron Man all also with Jack Kirby. We got Dr. Strange, which was with uh, Stan and Steve Ditko. And then in 1964, we got Daredevil with Bill Everett. And this is just the beginning. I mean, we had tons more. Black yeah, Panther. Just the first so five years. <laughs> just the first few years, the first ones that really got the Marvel boom going. And he continued to work uh, for Marvel in this way up through the 80s when he decided he was going to go ahead and stop being the editor in the comics and being the, the, the big idea guy. And he was going to move to L.A., and start working on the film and TV uh, end of Marvel and Marvel animation. And that's when we started getting like Spider-Man and his amazing friends and all those old cartoons that we got. Yeah. Yeah. And then he retired from all of his regular duties at Marvel in the 1990s. And of course he's still like the big figurehead of the company up until he died, but he stopped doing the day-to-day stuff in the nineties. Those first few years, like, 
everything he gave us just like year after year, bing, bang, bong. And I thought it was really interesting that uh, the comics that he wrote about Sergeant Fury and the Howling Commandos, the animated series that I've been watching with Colton, um, uh, it's not Avengers Assemble. It's the first one. Or maybe it is Avengers Assemble. It's the Avengers Assemble, the animated series. It's on Disney+. Plus. I've been showing these to Colton. Nick Fury, when he brings in Cap, uh, when they find Cap in the ice, Nick Fury like takes him to headquarters and all that and shows him that he has his bike still. And he's like, oh, my God, that's my bike. How, did, how have you had it after all these years? And he said, because it was a thank you. Um, this is a thank you gift because all those years ago, you saved my grandfather. He's like, who was your grandfather? And he said, Sergeant Fury. And I was like, oh, my God, Nick Fury, yeah. Sergeant Fury in the Howling. I was like, I forgot that they, in this show, they play on the Howling Commandos with Sergeant Fury comic books in the animated show in the flashback. In that one Captain America episode in the flashback, you meet Sergeant Fury in his Howling Commandos. Uh, I was like, that's so cool. It's, uh, it's just fun, funny that you mentioned that. Do you um, remember in early 2000s, like, and the only reason I remember this was because it was Spike TV. And at this point, WWF was on Spike TV because there was like a while where they were on USA, TNN, Spike, whatever. Uh, but there was this cartoon called Stripperella. Yeah, she it was, was like a crime fighting Man stripper. Yeah, I remember. That was from Power Entertainment, which Stan was involved in that. Whoa. Yeah. Stan was one of the people behind POW Entertainment, which made Stripperella. So I had no idea, but they say that Stan, you know, he liked the ladies. Um, <laughs> so it doesn't surprise me that he would do something like that outside of the comic the book brand, and yeah. Yeah. sort of put the envelope a little bit. Uh, yeah, I get it. I remember Stripperella. I remember I wasn't really allowed to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's the man who created you for fans all over the world. And I said to Jack, what if his skin turns green? Uh, <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm looking for some guy named Stan Lee. What? Spider-Man? Uh, Pam, hold my calls for a while. I, I think I've finally gone crazy. Oh, man! Wow! You know, Spidey, I've always wanted to experience real web-slinging. And I've always wanted to be appreciated as a real hero. It seems you've made me into one. Thanks. Hey, don't mention it. After saving all of reality, where do you go from here? To find Mary Jane. My Mary Jane. I've been told she's still alive. I can't wait to see her. You know, for so long, I've thought that I never got any breaks. But now, after all I've been through, for once, I like my life. I like myself. And for the first time ever, I wouldn't want to change anything about me. Gee, you're definitely not the same guy I've been writing about all these years. Well, Stan, we all have to grow up sometime, I suppose. Even us characters of fiction. Spider-Man, it's time to go. Who is that exotic lady? Oh, her? Now she's my ride. It's been great meeting you. Take care of yourself. You too, Spider-Man. Farewell and good luck. Wow. I wonder how I'm supposed to get down from here. I suppose I could wait for the Fantastic Four to drop by and give me a lift. Uh, now, before we talk about his DC run, uh, do want to talk a, bit, a little bit about his, his death. 
Uh, now, Stan did pass away November 12, 2018, at 95 years young. And apparently, like, even just a couple of days before he died, people who visited him, he was still talking about all, all the cameos that he still wanted to do. And uh, he loved doing the cameos, which we're also going to talk about in a minute. Um, but he was still playing, like, he's still, up until the very end, he had big plans, big ambitions. And that's, I think, one of the things that I love the most about Stan, because that's how I feel, too. I'm never satisfied. It's never enough. There's always more to do. There's always more to make it better. And it seems like what I have learned about him and what I've heard and, and everything about him is that's how he was, too. Yeah. And I remember the day he died. Um, I, I had coworkers walk up to me and say. We were both at Medivy at the time. Were you there at the time? I was there. 2018. Uh, people would say, you know, I know you didn't know him personally, but I feel like I should say to you that I'm sorry for your loss. Because I was really bummed about it. It was it was uh, a really big deal. And to celebrate Stan's life, uh, I wasn't able to get with you, uh, but I was with a couple of my other uh, college friends and we watched uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. And of course, we had a big you know celebration when Stan's cameo. Up and uh, that was my memory of. Stan's last day on earth. I was shocked at first because, like, my shock wasn't that he died at 95. My shock was I just saw him in a cameo. You know, like, no, that's. He's got so we, we haven't even, you know, we haven't even made it to, to the end. You know, we're he's supposed to be in. You know, whenever this Marvel thing ends, Stan Lee's supposed to be there. He's supposed like I mean, could you imagine a cameo in this past Spider-Man No Way Home movie? Oh man, because it would have been done. It would have been done with all three of them together with him. I didn't catch the Stan stuff um, if there was anything, but I did catch a couple of times there was graffiti that spelled out Ditko. I did catch that. They had it like up in his little spot on top of Midtown High. Yeah. And then there was somewhere else, like on a truck or something, they yeah. said Ditko. But this, his cameo on this movie would have had to have been with all three of them at one time. And it, and it would have only been perfect if it were like some meta moment of having him be like, seeing the three of you together in one place makes this old man smile. Just something like that. Like, oh, it would have been beautiful but the most thing i remember about his death is just being so uh shocked and like i said not shocked by somebody dying at 95 i mean lordy outlived so many people um but just that wow stan lee's gone that's a blow to to the nerds all around the world i remember that it was kind of like when snape died you know, we all just kind of unify when nerd culture loses uh, a member of uh, a strong member of nerd culture. Like when Stan Lee died, it was, it was sad for the entire planet because he had given everybody, everybody has a Stan Lee story, whether it's like when you met him uh, for a few seconds or me reading his X-Men comic to make myself feel better about being different than the cool kids or, you know, hearing an interview or, or playing Spider-Man on PlayStation or everyone has a moment that Stan Lee has been attached to in nerd culture. And 
I felt like with him gone in not just Marvel, but in nerd culture, I was like, well, what's next? Who's gonna, who's gonna be Stan Lee? Cause nobody can, Well, who's gonna, you know, grandpa, our, our uncle Stan's gone. You know, that's what it felt like. It felt like Stan Lee was gone and he was a member of everybody's family. Like there's just something missing from the face yeah. of Marvel now because he was the face of Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, I told you a couple weeks ago, Tyler, did you know that Stan did <laughs> a DC run? And you were like, what? Uh, so I requested that you look into a little bit and share what you found out about it and what your thoughts are. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> When you said Stanley had a DC run, I was like, you're out of your mind. Uh, it's called Just Imagine. All right. So Just Imagine is a comic book line published by DC Comics. And the only series of comics that Stan Lee, yes, Marvel Stan Lee, worked on. He reimagined several DC superheroes, including Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Green Lantern, and The Flash. And as an inside joke, Stan Lee changed several of the civilian names of most of the DC superheroes to alliterative ones in reference to Lee's practice when having named Marvel comic characters. For instance, his Batman name was Wayne Williams instead of Bruce Wayne. Yep. His... Uh, Wonder Woman's name was Maria Mendoza. Because if you notice, Stan's a fan of alliteration. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> it's well, his... He said that he liked it because it helped him remember their names. Yeah. yeah. Fin Fang Foom. Fin Fang Foom. His Superman was Saul Dan. Green Lantern was Lynn Lewis. And the Flash was mary maxwell so basically he built his own rendition of the justice league in his run he did some solo stories about each individual and then he had his own little run as a justice league writer and what brought this justice league together was and they debuted in just imagine stan lee and jerry ordway creating jla in february of 2002 the members were Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, and The Flash. A man called the Reverend Dominic Dark is trying to summon a being called Crisis to Earth so that he can take over the planet. To this end, he creates some henchmen in the form of the Doom Patrol, whose members are the Blockbuster, the Parasite, and Deathstroke. But Dark's, the Reverend Dark's son, a young boy named Adam Strange, notifies five heroes of Dark's intentions and they come together. Dark, as he's beaten by the new, newly aligned Justice League, kills his son before fleeing. And they never got to finish the story. They never got to, we never got to see a second to that JLA. So, like, they beat this dark guy, this Reverend Dominic Dark, spelled D-A-R-R-K. And I got to read these now. They're, like, impossible to find. 
impossible. Because number one, I would imagine, especially with him gone, Disney and Marvel don't want people to to see the light of day. And DC probably doesn't want it to see the light of day. So you have both both camps trying to probably keep this thing from seeing the light of day. This is just what I picture. It could not be happening. It could just be because, you know, the copies that were made, they're owned by people. You know, they're not exactly sitting on the racks in your local comic book shop. Well, I found on Amazon book one paperback 2843 and book two paperback 2849. So they're out there. So some of his his, uh, smaller characters that were tagged along with Superman, Batman, and all that in the JLA is his Robin was named John Byrne. Shazam, Captain Marvel at the time, was Robert Rogers. And his Aquaman was Raymond Raymond. And, I mean, he's he reimagined Sandman, like the Sandman. Not Marvel Sandman, DC Sandman. Uh, Catwoman. We've got to find these. We've got to read them and we've got to do episodes on them because... Number one, just the fact that Stan Lee, Mr. Marvel, touched DC property is just, I think, a beautiful, I think it's beautiful that he did it. I agree. Because he didn't do it. That's like, that's like when, when Vince wanted to help ECW. And people were like, why are you doing this? And he's like, I want to help the ECW brand. I want to help them. Let's do a crossover. I want to help them. You know? Most people, most of the mainstream fans were like, this is stupid, this is crap, but most of his even trusted confidants were like, why are you helping them? You know, but like, I bet people are like, Stan, this is DC we're talking about here. You can't go do a run for them. On, why not? They're superheroes. He wasn't, working, he wasn't working for them, so. Yeah. He's like, I, I run this stuff at this point. Like, I'm, I can do whatever I want. Right. I gotta have some of that. No, 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 no. See, this, this was aged for a thousand years. The barrels built from the wreck of Grunhill's fleet is not meant for mortal men. Neither was Omaha Beach, Blondie. Stop trying to scare us. Come on. All right. Excelsior. So let's talk about what Stan is most known for among the current generation of fans and that's cameos now this started you know way before the mcu actually like in the spider-man movies and x-men and all that he had little bit parts in all of those so like in the x-men and spider-man movies he really didn't do much but like he was in a shot like i think in x-men one he was a hot dog vendor and in the first Mm -hmm. couple spider-mans he like pulled somebody away from falling debris. But the third one was when he talked to Tobey Maguire and like they're in Times Square looking at the Spider-Man stuff. And he says, oh, I guess one person really can make a difference. Enough said. Enough said. And that was one of the Easter first. Like, oh. um, yeah. Fantastic Four. He played the uh, Fantastic Four's mailman in yeah. the Baxter building, Willie Lumpkin. And then in the second one, they did this bit where uh, they were kind of recreating something from the comic 
on Sue and Reed's wedding, um, Stan and Jack Kirby were them playing themselves in the comic, trying to get into the wedding. They weren't on the guest list. And they did that. Stan was like, no, I'm Stan Lee. I'm Stan Lee. I should be here. And they wouldn't let it into the wedding. Um, my all-time favorite cameo, MCU or not, was Into the Spider-Verse because this was released a month after his death. And I don't know if you remember, but Miles walks up to the counter. Uh, Stan's got like a comic book shop or something. And he's buying this Spider-Man suit. And Stan holds it. He looks at it and he says, I'm going to miss him. We were friends, you know. And I remember sitting in the theater and I was like, oh, my heart. Because that's like how we feel about Stan. We're going to miss him. He felt like he was our friend. Um, And Miles is like, oh, yeah, well, uh, if it doesn't fit, can I return it? And Stan says, oh, it always fits. And then there's a sign that says no returns. And he flashes a smile and there's like a little sparkle in his teeth um, playing on the whole the salesman Stanley. But I love that. Um, He had numerous other things. One thing uh, that I've been trying to get you to watch Teen Titans go to the movies. He had a cameo in that. He said, hey, I'm Stan Lee and I'm in a DC movie. I just love cameos or something like that. Very funny. And one of my favorite episodes of The Big Bang Theory, one of my all-time favorite shows, he uh, did an episode where, like, he was going to the comic book store to do autographs, and Sheldon couldn't make it because he had a court date for a traffic violation. So, obviously, he's devastated. And Penny, who's – it's Penny's fault that he has to miss it, basically – she tries to get it worked out where they go to Stan Lee's house and ring the doorbell and they just wanted to say hello. And of course, Stan's like, what are you doing at my door? Joan, call the police and all this stuff. So <laughs> Sheldon gets a restraining order from Stan Lee and he's really proud of it. Cause he signed it. <laughs> Cause yeah, exactly. He's like, Oh yeah, you got Stan Lee to sign your Hulk gloves and you got him to sign this, but I have a restraining order. Nobody has that. <laughs> um, one of my favorites, uh, obviously, there's so many memorable moments with his cameos, like him playing Hugh Hefner in Iron Man. Uh, are you Tony Stank, the male delivery man in Civil War? Um, cutting Thor's hair with all the attachments. And then, of course, the very meta one that basically, you know, solidified all of our beliefs that he was either a watcher or an agent of the watcher because he's, I think it's guardians two. I believe so Two, where he's actually talking with the Watu and the other watchers like, and he's telling them about his cameos. And one time I was a mailman, blah, 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 blah. And something zooms past him and they all look, and then they just go back to his story and like meta, you know, we're both fans of meta and breaking the fourth wall. And like, that's probably my all time favorite. Cause it's him saying like, yes, I'm the one I'm watching because this is my world. Another favorite is uh, the amazing Spider-Man one, the, the first Andrew Garfield. He is like a, the librarian at the school. Yeah. And like Spider-Man and the Lizard are tearing the library apart and he's got his headphones on and he's just enjoying his day and he's scanning the books in and he has no idea that all that's going on. He was in the, uh, they make like these Lego Marvel games. They make Lego everything, you know? Yeah. But 
there's always like some sort of a hidden character that you try to find in each level then you can unlock something stan was the hidden character in every level that you had to rescue and you can unlock stan and stan's lego character had you know like certain lego characters have certain abilities like you got to have this guy to crawl into a small space or to throw a rope around something or whatever yeah. stan could do everything stan had all the powers and i've been playing this new guardians of the galaxy game that they just put out you know about a month yeah. ago yeah. and there's a part where you get to go to the collector's like museum and look at all his stuff and they had a pair of stan's glasses there on display in the museum and and the description's like oh this is a cosmic being who travels through multiple universes and watches over everything or something like that we we're sure his impact will will reach for years to come i was uh, like uh Welcome back to the Baxter, Dr. Richards. I've got the usual for you. Good to have you back, sir. Thanks, Willie. So you already touched on a little bit, some of those MCU cameos. I have the list here of all the MCU movies that Stan made an appearance in. Okay. And you've already kind of named a couple of them. But, I mean, how long has it been since you've seen Ant-Man? Let's be real. So... There's like 20-something movies here. We're going to see if we can go down the list in order and remember the Stan cameo. Okay? You ready? Yes. So Iron Man yes. 1, you already said, that was the Hugh Hefner. Yeah. Incredible Hulk, that's when he was the guy that some of uh, Hulk's blood went in the green soda. Yeah. And he and got he one of the original group. Yeah. So the guy, Iron Man 2. You remember? Is he at the race? Is he in the crowd at the race, or in the the club? Uh, during Stark Expo, Tony thought he was Larry King. Oh yeah, Larry King. Uh, Thor. Was oh. that when he was the guy in the truck trying to pull the hammer? Yes. Did it work? <laughs> That's him. That was it. Yeah, that was it. Uh. First Captain America. First Captain America, he is. This is probably the one I've watched the least, to be honest. Thor and Captain America 1. Uh, okay, I've got the cheat sheet over here pulled up on my TV. Okay. Uh, First Avenger, he plays a general in World War II who mistakes another man for Steve Rogers, commenting, I thought he'd be taller. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Avengers, yeah. he was uh, playing chess in the park. Yeah. Superheroes and get out of here. Get out of here. Uh, uh, three, he's. I, I remember. Let's see. Three is. The... He goes. Remember, Tony aim. goes to Tennessee. Or not aim, but. Yeah. Is it aim? Tony. Tony goes to Tennessee and they're having the beauty pageant. Yes. And stands one of the judges and he holds up the sign that says 10 and he's all excited. Yes. 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 Thor, the dark world. I've seen, that's probably the one I've seen the least. Do you remember? No, I don't remember dark world. Uh, okay. Remember when Eric uh, Selvig was in the middle ward and he's one of the patients. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay, Winter Soldier. Um, 
security guard at the Smithsonian. Yes, yes, yes. When uh, Cap takes the suit. His classic Guardian of the Galaxy. This was he was like thing. chatting up some girl on the bridge and Rocket's like, oh, you old pervert. Old pervert. Yeah, he zooms in on the binoculars. Age, Age of Ultron is uh at the party. Don't it's try to so I was on uh Normandy. I was on the beach in Normandy. Don't I was at Ewan's Blondie. Um Next is Ant-Man, and I don't remember if it's the first Ant-Man. I think it is the first one. You know, like when the one character does this, he's like retelling the stories and everybody's mouthing, like, and then it's using his voice. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. He was like a bartender or something. Yeah. Right? Like, say, I, I know a guy. Yeah. Um, then yeah. we've got yeah. American Civil, Captain America Civil War. Tony Stank. Tony Stank, yes. Doctor Strange. He appears as a bus uh, bus rider reading Aldous Huxley's The Doors of Perception while laughing that what he is reading is hilarious, oblivious to, to a stuff, battle. Between to a battle. And, uh, and his okay, I get that, yeah. I um, forgot about that. Guardians, Guardians 2. 2. We've discussed he's a watcher or talking to the watchers. Uh, homecoming. Don't make me come down there, you punk. Yeah. Hey, Marjorie, how's your mother? <laughs> the barber we said already yeah. black, black panther panther in black panther he's at the casino yes yeah infinity the, war infinity war driving the school bus driving the you kids sit down what you What's never said you, you never seen this before, before? ant man uh, in the walk I, I can't remember this one he uh, he had like a van or a car or something and it got shrunk. Let me read what it says. Lee appears as a pedestrian whose car is shrunk by the wasp. He remarks, well, the 60s were fun, but now I'm paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marvel. Marvel. He's sitting on the, the bus rat. reading the Mallrats script, yeah. which basically says <laughs> Mallrats exists in the MCU. Yeah. Uh, and then in game, young Stan driving the car, make love, not war. Yes. And those and, are and, the MCU. And Far From Home, they did the whole opening credits roles were. Yep. Stan. There you go. Were all of his cameos. And that's it. He's, I know in Venom 2, he's on a piece, he's on a, a newspaper article as he's walking in to talk to Miss, Mrs. Chen. It's like, hey, Mrs. Chen, hey, hey, Eddie, hey, Venom. There's like this little magazine and like Stan Lee's face is on it. Was it the first Venom where like he walked by him and Venom was like, who is that guy or something yeah. like that? He's like he was going to eat him or eat his dog yeah. or something. So, yeah, there you go. and he's made appearances in like all the Netflix shows, too, which I haven't seen all of those. And, you know, he made he also an has a cameo in Big Hero 6. His picture, yeah, is like the he's like the dad of one of the characters or something yeah yeah true he's he's done it all man he's done it all and he was in deadpool uh, i think the first one he was like the dj at the strip club yeah dude I, that's go. one of the biggest things that, you know and those are just extra impacts that he gave us you know aside from the stories he wrote or the cartoons he narrated or produced um another impact he'll give us is that moment that 
when I was taking Maddie through the MCU, I would go up. You know, he gave everybody that moment. They're staying. And that's another thing that we're going to miss. That's another thing that won't be the same again. There's been talk about, like, what should we do now as the Stan Lee cameo? Like, should we put Deadpool in? I think we talked about that before. Like, that'd be cool, I guess. That'd be a nice little thing that Deadpool would do, um, taking Stan's place. But at the same time, like, it's okay for that to not be a thing now. I'm okay. Like, that was Stan's thing, and it's over now. I'm and I'm okay with bandwagon. It should all – all the cameos should be Silent Bob. I would, of course, love that, too. <laughs> just just like a fight's happening, and his eyes just – You standing back there like, hmm. Standing back there watching or walking across, you know, because, like, it, of course it would be Kevin, and, of course, you know, most people go, like, we can't have Silent Bob without Jay, but Jay wouldn't make as big an impact. Why have we never done a Jay and Silent Bob, like – episode? No, like costume or like cosplay or something. Like we could I totally pull that. Absolutely, we could. I'd have to shave, but I don't care. It grows back quick. Yeah, it'll grow back, dude. We got to do that now. I'm all about it. I do. But man, this has been a very educational season three finale. You know uh, how I do it. You 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 did the. I feel like you were making up for. You know, we joked about when we got to Hobbit Month. You're like, man, I had the show going on that I'm directing. It was so busy. I had look at those books. I'm going to read all those books. And by the oh, time yeah. I got to Hobbit, you're like, I didn't read all those books. I didn't. <laughs> um, but you literally read the books for this one and did the studying. So yeah. you definitely. Uh, made this a phenomenal finale i am uh I'm, I'm very very stoked for how this how this has gone and it's been great man and season three may be over but see our fantastic fourth season is is just around the corner uh so i can't wait i can't wait to to see what season four brings us lots of good stuff i know and for you all to follow along with that, all you have to do is go to 30nerdypodcast.com, go to the directory, and find all of our social medias. Uh, if anything was said today uh, in the episode that you disagree with, uh, send all your hate tweets to at nerdyjd1. Uh, <laughs> that is where we are accepting hate mail at the, at the moment. Um, then uh, also, though, Especially in the off season, now's a good time to, if this is the first one that you are finding, now is a good time to go back and catch up on some of the best of season three. I'm thinking the series on Ghostbusters, Hobbit, you know, October's always a great month to catch up on some of the stuff we did in the summer. Now's a good time to catch up. And while you're doing that, leave a rating and review. We know what we would tell you to leave, but... We always ask our sweet dear Emma Davis what she thinks you should leave. And she thinks your New Year's resolution should be to leave five stars. And I think that's a New Year's resolution that everyone should follow. What a great idea. Yeah. But man, it's been great. Can't wait for season four. Thank you for a great season. Uh, guys, 
thank you so much for joining us for three seasons and can't wait to have you back for season four. Um, I've already got lots of exciting things written down for us to talk about and uh, it's going to be good times. Cheers to you and all that. Excelsior! Are you Tony Stank? Yes, this is this is Tony Stank. You're in the right place. Thank you for that. Never dropping that, by the way. Table for one, Mr. Stank. I must have absolute silence. Marvel has been very lucky. They've um, the movies that have been based on our characters really have been great. Um, Spider-Man and the X-Men especially. Oh, I always wished I could do something better than comics, but there didn't seem to be anything. I was talking to one director the other day who said, Stan, there is nothing you can dream of, nothing you can imagine that we can't put on the <laughs> That is hilarious. What's matter with you kids? You never seen a spaceship before? all on you. Is it Team Iron Man or Team Cap? <laughs> I really don't care. As long as I get a good cameo, call my agent. And of course, we did the movie of the Hulk. We did Daredevil. Um, I, I've had fun. I do little cameos in most of these movies. What I tried to do was take these characters who are obviously bigger than life and fictitious and make them seem real. They've got these powers, they do wonderful things, but what are, what are the things that worry them? What are the things that frustrate them? I tried to write a well-rounded character with every character I did, rather than just somebody who uh, is extra strong and can beat up the bad guys. If you're writing about people, you have to make the people come to life. Guess one person can make a difference. I loved seeing you two together again. You always were my favorites. Enough said. What would you like people to be left with from your career? He wrote some good stories. I don't think about that much. You know, when I'm gone, I really don't care. It doesn't do you any good when you're gone. <laughs>